0: Welcome to the Healthcare Quality Cast, where we spotlight today's most exciting and inspiring quality professionals within the healthcare industry. Our podcast will dive into the career journeys of leaders that work daily to improve quality, safety, and service outcomes for patients, their family members, and their communities at large. Our mission is to provide motivation and direction to our listeners, encouraging you all to continue your efforts in improving the overall quality of healthcare. And now, your host, Jarvis Gray.
1: We are back, quality people, with another weekly episode and another exceptional quality guest. Welcome to episode number 34, and I'm your host, Jarvis Gray. And I am honored to introduce to you all Mr. Samir Rishi. Samir is a quality improvement advisor with Vizient and leads the Transforming Clinical Practice Initiative, or TCPI, within the organization. Samir's experience includes various roles in quality and performance improvement. He's a radiologic technologist by training, earned his Master's of Healthcare Administration from St. Louis University, and a certification in lean healthcare from the University of Michigan. He's applied these unique skills in previous roles, such as a clinical process designer. He's applied these unique skills in previous roles, such as a clinical process designer, director of ambulatory care, which you'll hear a very personal story shared while in this position. He's also served as a healthcare improvement consultant, lean healthcare trainer and coach, and past manager of operations improvement during our time working together at Emory Healthcare. Here in episode number 34, Samir shares his career path, starting with his desires to enter med school, then moving into healthcare administration with a performance improvement focus. He walks us through the worst career moment where his leadership team unfortunately put him in a position to fail. He shares strategies that he's used to restart his healthcare career after being laid off. He provides tips on how he builds connections on project teams by building a common purpose his personal excitement around technological changes impacting healthcare industry and how quality people will lead the implementation. He shares his best career advice to move forward by moving backwards and pay attention to his continuous messaging around standards over feelings. Samir, I appreciate you so much for joining in with our podcast and sharing your incredible story and insight. Quality people, I invite you all to check out this episode with Samir, but also consider reaching out and connecting with him through LinkedIn. After listening to this episode, I think you'll understand exactly why. Enjoy episode number 34, and we'll actually be back next week with five special shows that I'm titling The Lost Episodes. Okay, I really hope that dramatic pause worked for effect. See you all next week.
2: All right, so, Samir, are you ready to share with some quality people?
0: I am. Let's get started.
2: All right, perfect. Well, we love to start every show, Samir, with um, positive affirmations, really to get our momentum for the show going. So we'd love to have you share a favorite quote or favorite mindset, but also share with us how do you apply it on a daily basis?
0: I think one of the biggest things um, I've heard pretty recently, uh, great quote, it's – well, I guess you can't call it a quote. It's mindset. It's really called uh, standards over feelings. Um, So it's really putting together, and especially, you know, in the work that we do in in lean and quality, you know, really sticking towards those standards and not getting into the feelings. Um, A great example would be just in everyday life, Um, you know, I've started a workout regimen. So this morning, Monday morning, you know, the day after uh, daylight savings time, you know, you lose that hour, you're tired, you know, your, your covers feel really good, you don't feel like going to work out. However, you've put the standard that I am going to go work out. These are things that I've put forward. So you have to follow that standard in day to day, in your life, in your work, whatever you do and putting to go putting more uh, focus on that standard over those feelings so uh that's one thing that i think just from a daily perspective career life um using that has really helped me kind of stay focused and stay on track
2: well i love that because it also ties into the work that we do um what's the 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 old the standard um or excuse me the old quote that uh without standards there is no improvement so um mm-hmm. Even even to your workout regimen, right? If you don't live up to that standard that you're setting, you won't see that personal improvement that you're going for. So perfect, I right? That. Exactly.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: All right. Well, Samir, you know, I, I want to start the show just by by first thanking you um, for jumping on and sharing um, just your your knowledge that you're going to go through and share as we as we run through all of these questions I have for you today. Um, you know, we had a great time. I, I think getting to know each other during our time um, working at Emory Healthcare, and so. Uh, you know, as I got this show launched off and, and kind of organized, I made a list of folks that I really wanted to beg to be on the show, and you were right there at the top <laughs> of the list. So I just wanted wanted to start with thanking you um, for for just plugging in. But uh, first question that I officially have for you is, if you could please share with us, what was your introduction into quality and what led you into this career path? How did you get started? Teach us something.
0: Yeah, you know. Quality has always been something that, you know, just even growing up, uh, my father uh, was in the motel business. And so with him, you know, working with him, he's always stressed quality, you know, any type of work or anything that you do, even if it takes a little bit more time than it, you know, than it should, you want to put in quality work. Um, It's better to do it once and do it right than to do it, you know, halfly and have to do it over again. Um, as I kind of progressed into my professional career, you know, I always started off thinking that I was going to go to med school and become a doctor, um, but just didn't like taking those medical school classes. Um, and so a friend of mine actually told me about the healthcare administration route. He's like, you know, you could still stay uh, within some sort of healthcare and that medicine piece of it, but then you can also use your background, you know, working with your father from the business side and that quality aspect um, and working on that side of it. Um so really when I got into grad school and then after um I finished my MHA and did my um fellowship afterwards is when I really got into a lot of the quality work um as a as a um as a fellow, um I, I really did a lot of quality work for Um, the organization I was working with at the time, we did a lot of ED uh, throughput. Uh, We also did some clinic redesign. Um, So really looking at those different processes and how can we make things better. Uh, You know, a lot of, you know, I was working with a small um, community-based organization out in like rural Illinois. So, you know, for them, it was doing the best work that they can with the number of resources they had. They had limited resources there, uh, you know, being, you know, in a rural area. So it was really taking those folks and really helping them, you know, not do their work harder, but do their work smarter. Um, And so that's how I really kind of pushed into this whole quality piece of it. And then um, once I started consulting, then I was able to do uh, my certification in Lean um, and really kind of keep focusing in on that quality aspect of it. And I've just kind of kept it through um, in all of the positions I've really held um, since I've kind of started
2: well and i would love to uh, maybe tag on to that question just a little bit because you know one thing that i've learned being a quality professional and coming from outside of healthcare into healthcare and now i've, I've clearly you know made my career there um but i still try to hold on to a lot of my non healthcare focus and my you know the knowledge and the publications i may have plugged into that time um you know with your career path i, I would love to Uh, Just toss an extra question in there and just ask, you know, with your healthcare background, do you still or do you at all, I guess, plug into things non-healthcare that have supported your career path and, you know, your your progression throughout the healthcare industry?
0: Yeah, I would say, you know, looking at things um, from a manufacturing and kind of lean uh, perspective, I like to look at a lot of those uh, lean articles and blogs. I'd, I'd like to take a look at those. Um My wife, who works in um, i t she does risk management software. um I kind of pick up some pointers from her because she um does kind of like that agile uh type of um project management work where they do a lot of things where they kind of run things in like two weeks and then, you know, see the results. And if it doesn't work, then kind of, you know, go back to the drawing board. Um, So kind of taking some pointers from those industries and bringing it to healthcare, because there's a lot of times when, you know, you go set out for, you know, doing one of these projects and you're a month into it. And then it's kind of like, Oh, this isn't going the right way. Now we got to start back from scratch. And, and, you know, people in healthcare have limited time. They don't have a lot of time um, to work on, quality improvement work, uh, which I found. Um, So it's really uh, taking some of these things from different industries and bringing it to healthcare and and kind of putting a nice little twist on it. Wonderful. Wonderful. I love that. And I'm going to move
2: you down to uh, my next question that I have for you, Samir. And this one I've um, slowly have started calling the dark place question because I would love for you um, to take us, you know, our listeners through Um, A moment in your healthcare career as a healthcare quality leader, you know, take us to that worst moment um, that you may have had or encountered and really, you know, help us understand what was the
0: situation
2: and most definitely what were some of the decisions that you were having to go through to um, try to turn that moment around?
0: It was probably – it was my – probably I would say it was my second or third – my second year out of grad school. I was – You know, given a director's position for, it's called Director of Ambulatory Care. um, Uh, Where this position was set up, it really wasn't Director of Ambulatory Care. It was more like Director of Real Estate or Director uh, of Something else. Um, uh, Excuse me, but part of it was we acquired uh, an imaging center, and that imaging center was bankrupt. Uh, One of the pieces that I had to go through and do was to basically clean that place up. Uh, meaning, fire everybody, uh, develop, like get rid of all the assets, um, you know, basically close this place down and try to get you know anything, try to milk anything we can out of this uh, out of this imaging center. And for me, at the time, I was what twenty five, twenty six, young kid, you know, thinking he was bright eyed, going into this place, and it was just you know these folks had worked there for 10 15 years and here i am just this kid saying hey you know sorry you guys are all fired you got to leave and for me that's kind of like the worst feeling because in the back of my mind i still wanted to see if we could turn this place around right like i wanted to see if there was something wrong with um you know was there something in the process that we were lacking was there something in referrals that we were missing like why you know why did this place get to where it was. Um, but at that point, you know, there was nothing I could do to help turn this place around. Um, so it was just like heartbreaking for me to have to, you know, at such an early point in my career, have to end somebody else's right. Um, and in the end it ended up ending my career at that point too, because, uh, that was in that 2008, 2009, uh standpoint. So I, was, so I was 20. Yeah, I was about 28 at that time. So, um, so if that was when the market kind of crashed and alongside with the market crashing, uh, you know, that was when everybody just kind of got laid off or something happened at that time. So that was probably the darkest point I would say uh, in my career. And, you know, it was just hard to bounce back from it because uh, being early in your career it was hard to, you know, you thought you were on this certain path and you're thinking you're going a certain way, and then all of a sudden things get derailed. And so it's really going back and just taking a look at everything and just figuring out, you know, what's that next step or what's that next part of my career that I can do. And, you know, it took a while, but it was, it was a great learning. It ended up being a great learning experience for me because it was um, really being able to get through, you know, that piece of it. And like now it's, you know, I look back at it and I was like, wow, you know, that was kind of crazy. But, you know, I learned from it and I, and I learned that, um, you know, even though things might put you down, you know, you're always going to get back up and, and, and fight and and look for that next piece of it. So, um, sure. so yeah, I hope that kind of helped. <laughs> it was just, yeah, like thinking about that, I was just like, Oh, it's just like one of the worst things I ever, you know, was put into. And it, it just seemed like it was one of those, um, one of those opportunities that leadership puts you in a position to fail. That's what I kind of felt like. Um, So I really kind of always had to take that, you know, taking a look at things to say, uh, you know, as I work with people, uh, making sure I'm not putting them in positions to fail, like making sure that I'm always putting them in a position to do uh, good things and great work. um, And not, and if there, and if there is an opportunity to fail to come to me and say, Hey, you know, there's something wrong here. What can we do? Um, and that's kind of the the learnings and things that I kind of take back from that.
2: Well, you know, Samir, I, I'll share with you. I had a, a moment in my career path where um, it was kind of delegated to me and my supervisor at the time to also uh, kind of run a layoff process within the group that we were working on. And uh, personally, at that point of my career I felt very similar to what you just shared you know I I was still relatively young and um, still somewhat new to healthcare, and I felt bad about every step of it and the way it was kind of handled was like you know it was almost like it was just another day and so I can relate 100% Um, and and don't be mad at me Samira I I often you know try to do my best to to summarize some of the learnings and kind of get us out of the dark place and on to some of the other questions Mm -hmm. but Um, For you, I actually want to dig in just a little bit deeper with the dark place question. Um, You know, with your experience of having kind of been laid off, and especially during that time, you know, 2007, 2008, which was just a a rough time economically for a lot of folks. But um, Mm -hmm. could you talk about some of the things that you went through in terms of being laid off, and then how did you – navigate, you know, your career back into healthcare to find, you know, the next opportunity that came for you.
0: You know, it was tough because it was one of those where, you know, at that time, like a lot of the things that we can get um, you know, from a website and, you know, job postings and, and those pieces of it, you know, nowadays, you know, you can go on a LinkedIn and you can go on um, all these other career search places and find, you know, multiple job postings, multiple listings, right? Um, I think at the at the time when I got laid off, it was when LinkedIn and those type of things were still kind of in their infancy. Um, so I was building connections on LinkedIn and trying to build that network. But at the same time, there weren't that many people using it. Um, so it was really difficult. I mean, it was at the time, I you know, I was going through – you know, looking up every single hospital website, every single thing that I can find healthcare wise, uh, whether it be consulting, whether it was um, anything to do with healthcare. And I ended up, like, you know, searching through and I found an architectural firm um, that had a healthcare wing um, that they had on there. Um, and in that healthcare wing, they were looking for people to do. Um, kind of some process redesign and looking for workflow um, to help the architects kind of craft um, what an office space would look like or what a hospital floor would look like. Um, So those were the type of things that, you know, you have to really think outside the box and try to find things that, you know, you wouldn't have normally found otherwise. Um, So it was tough. Uh, And I would say like nowadays it's, You know, you really I think it's a lot like sometimes I I don't want to say it's easier to find a job, but it's a little bit uh, better in in terms of you're able to get on a lot of these websites. You're able to get on LinkedIn. They have so many different job postings. Um, I think now um, being farther into my career, I've got a better network of people as well. So um, advice I would give to anyone is like really keep, you know, keep your network keep because you never know, um, you know, when you'll need to tap into somebody from your network um, and not even just in healthcare in any other industry, because I think the work that we do from a quality perspective, um, you know, doesn't just touch healthcare. And like I said, you know, I went to an architectural firm out of, you know, all these places. I didn't go back to a hospital right away. Right. So um, there's always ways that you can take what you learn in quality and apply that to other industries. And so, um, so yeah, I, I think, and it's really just, you know, you got to keep your head up and, you know, when it goes tough, you just got to just keep going. It's it's going back to that whole standard over feelings piece of it. Right. Like at the time I felt awful and it was like, you know, you, you've got a, I've got a young kid, you know, I've got a baby and I was laid off and you're just thinking, man, this is like the worst feeling. But that standard was going back and saying, all right, I'm going to focus in on, you know, getting in touch with this number of people, taking a look at this many organizations, taking a look at these websites, doing this job search. Are there uh, recruiters? Are there something, somebody else I can reach out to? Um, and really keeping that piece of it and keeping that focus. And I think that's what helped me through it.
2: Well, and I love, you know, your second message there. You know, the power of networks. I mean, 100% of everything that I've done, Um, Just with this podcast show up to this point has been through the power of networks, folks like you who, you know, we had a great uh, collegial relationship when we worked together, and I've even reached out to perfect strangers um, and have convinced them to also join in on the show. But, you know, that's just a show. This is real life, so to speak, with career opportunities. Um, So, yeah, I agree with you there. The, The tools, I think, are a lot more robust than Definitely, then, compared to 2007, um, but learning how to stay connected, um, not just hitting folks up, you know, for the opportunities, but just being connected mm-hmm. um, and, and, you know, touching base with folks every now and then, the power of networking is a huge takeaway from um, from everything you shared there.
0: Uh, Samir, all right. Hard. It's hard. It's hard okay. to. I would say, like, networking isn't easy, you know, for Absolutely. Especially if you're, you know, depending on your personality and, you know, if you're an introvert versus extrovert, like, uh, and it's going back to like, you know, you're at some of these networking events and things and you don't feel like going to talk to people, but from a standard perspective, go and talk to people, get out of the box, you know, make some of these connections because you never know who you're going to meet or who that person knows or, um, you know, what that can end up being down the line for you. So, yeah, I, I, it's yeah it's it's very powerful
2: absolutely you know to to your point about the standards and networking uh whenever i go to you know either networking events or conferences i always put um a standard on myself personally so i want five new people per day or you know per networking event just go introduce yourself to five and chances are especially if you talk to the right five they're going to you know turn right back around and introduce you to another person so Mm-hmm. I just kind of set a bar at okay, let me go to this event and let me talk to five people, um, you know, share contact information using LinkedIn or whatever. You know, they're just a lot of good tools, old school business cards. Um but no, I, I love I love everything about your message um, with that piece and, and really navig renavigating the career path given given your dark place. But my friend, let me get you out of that place right now.
1: I'm uh, going to
2: move you to uh, to our next question. And so what I'd love for you to do, Samir, is to share with our quality people a tip, a tool, or a tactic that you found works very well for building up intimate connections within your project teams. Um, and again, you know, share with us uh, what it is and how do you apply it.
0: I think it's really coming up with a common purpose and a common message, common goal. Like when you have these teams that are very multidiscipline, Um, You know, I've worked with some teams at Emory, for example, that, you know, it's, you know, front desk staff, MAs, nurses, physicians, Um, you get some other uh, some other folks in there, Um, all different folks, all different roles, but they have a common purpose. They have a common goal. And that's really to help the patient. Right. So really, when I frame a lot of these projects, you kind of say, all right, what is our common purpose? What are we working towards? And then how do we get there? Um, and really taking everybody's input in because a lot of times, you know, people in the front don't know what the people in the back are doing. People in the back don't know what the people in the front are doing. So being able to bring that common purpose together and kind of understanding what each other does, I think that kind of helps build that rapport within the team and help just build that uh, build that team up so that they want to work together to, you know, to reach that goal that they're trying to achieve.
2: No, I, I love that. Um, are you familiar with um, the story, the blind man and the elephant?
0: No, I haven't heard that one.
2: Oh, I will send you a really good YouTube clip on that. Um, it's maybe a three-minute long, but basically, you know, I, I trust. Trust me when I send it to you. You'll probably see it because it, it's a pretty common, um, kind of almost like a meme nowadays that's used in a lot of uh, presentations about quality and process improvement. How how many people can try to look at the same problem and see different perspectives. But um, I'll send you a really good uh, YouTube clip, and I'll, I guess I'll probably include it with the uh, show notes on this now since I'm saying it on the podcast. But um, it, it speaks very much to what you just said about, you know, people coming together for a common pers- uh, purpose or seeing a common vision of, of the same problem. So um, so really good, uh, you know, really good suggestion around the tip or the tool there as well. Next question I have for you, Samir, um, could you tell us about one of the best aha moments that you've had as a quality professional? But um, once again, you know, share with us that that situation. Um, how did the idea strike you? And it, definitely if you were able to turn it into a personal or professional success.
0: I would say for this one would be um, working with some of, um, you know, in a previous role I had, I was working with, Um, Some nurses who did some care coordination Uh, and for those uh, nurses, it was really helping them kind of break through what they were doing from their day to day type of perspective. Uh, And the aha moment there was just more, I think it was just more building that relationship and building that trust and that and by building that relationship and building that trust, the aha that happened was that they were more open to telling me things that they normally wouldn't say or normally wouldn't talk about. Like they wouldn't, um, you know, they would even tell me, Oh, don't tell, don't tell my boss, but you know, sometimes I'll do this and this and this when I'm not supposed to, well, what you're doing this and this and this might actually be the better way to do these things. So why not talk about those pieces? Right? So it was really being able to um, build relationships In order to kind of not really get information, but it is to like build a relationship to build that trust so that they're more open to talking to you about things that they normally wouldn't talk about. Um, So that was kind of like the aha for me is just kind of you can't just really go into a place and just say, all right, I'm here to change your process and change everything. um, And let's just go ahead and do it. It's more, you know, let's get to know what that person is, get to know what that role is you know, figure out what are the things that, you know, keeps them up at night, what they're concerned about, and then how do we help them, um, how do we help them with those pieces? Um, I, it, and the same thing is like bringing, when you're bringing like these multiple teams together, these multiple multidisciplinary folks together, it's, you know, how do you get them to kind of really start talking to each other and really start, um, you know, feeling like, you know, if they say something, it's not going to be you know, like, oh, I don't know why you're saying that or I don't know why you're telling me. It's like building that trust. Um, and I think that's been a big aha is just, you know, once you build that trust and that relationship, then I think that goes a long way when you're trying to work on uh, a project or trying to help people kind of change culture and and change that process and, and, and do those type of things. I hope that makes sense.
2: No, that's wonderful, wonderful share there. And I am going to go completely off script now. Um, I think I've already gone off script a few times already, but um you know with your with your um you know with your information that you just shared there, I would love to pick your brain because I, I'm in the process now of um organizing a half day workshop for a private training group. A uh, group has asked me to pull together a QI workshop around A3s, but they also wanted to um include a part of the training just all about team building to do exactly what you just said. You know, they want to get to kind of know each other a little bit better, something outside of the normal day-to-day. Um, so wanted to ask and pick your brains, uh, for total selfish reasons here, what are some really good uh, icebreakers or team building exercises or events that you use with the work that you do, if you have any? But, um, you know, I, I know from our experience that you probably have one or two good ones up your sleeve somewhere.
0: Yeah, so one of the ones I do, I do a couple. So there's one that there's a, um, it's more to show kind of standard work, but it's like a paper tearing exercise. So you tell everybody to close your eyes. You give them a sheet of paper. You tell them to close your eyes. You have them fold it. And then at the end, everybody opens up their paper, and they're kind of like, oh, everybody's got different, you know, different things. So it's really kind of breaking the ice on, um, you know, getting people introduced introduced into this, into what we're going to be doing from a quality perspective, what we're going to be working on. Uh, from a team-building perspective, I like to use um, – it's kind of like that introduction where you say name, how many years you've been here, what your role is, and then tell us something about you no one else knows. Um, so one of the things that we did in one of my um, consulting engagements uh, last year was you know we went around the room and people were talking and somebody was like oh I used to dance when I was in college, uh, somebody else said um, that they do like some farming or like some of those type of things and you know one of the things that I said was like people don't know but one of my goals is to go around whenever I travel the country and and do a lot of these engagements like one of my goals is to try to go to a sporting event if I can um, in each one of those cities just so I can be able to go to uh, different stadiums. And so that kind of brings out some good conversations to, with people to say, oh, you know, where have you been or where who have you seen? Or or even with the person who was a dancer, like somebody was like, oh, I used to dance or I used to do this. So it really brings out some of these things that you really wouldn't know about that person. Um, you know, if you if you saw that person, you really you wouldn't even know, like like the person who said they were a dancer. I was like, oh, wow, really wouldn't have guessed that you were a dancer. Um he was like this middle-aged, like <laughs> heavy-set guy who's kind of like, "Oh, you're a dancer, really?" <laughs> and so, but it's like one of those things where it kind of breaks the ice with everybody. People kind of like some people kind of get a little giggle out of it, but then um, you know, but it does kind of bring some of that conversation, and people are more, uh, you know, they you know they want to learn more about you and things like that. And I think that that really helps.
2: All right. wonderful wonderful and, uh yeah thank you for um for letting me throw in that that very personal question but again i know our listeners are going to um to to get some takeaways from all of that because um you know one of my favorite things really with any of the trainings that i do is having you know a really good either uh, yeah, icebreaker or a team building event um but you know again it, it supports i think everything you share with um, just getting the people, one, on the same page, and two, to get them to know each other a little bit better. So those are wonderful um, inputs there. Samir, going to move you down to our next question, and um, what I have for you is would love to know, you know, what are some of the changes going on across the healthcare industry that you're personally excited about right now, and how do you see uh, quality professionals playing a role to promote those changes and or to support its long-term success?
0: you know i'm really excited about what technology can do for healthcare um like the interoperability like i'm really you know with our smartphones with you know i know google health and you know they tried these things and apple health like they've tried some of these things a few years ago and i just don't think we we're ready for it yet in terms of like i think part of it was infrastructure part of it was probably technology um And then part of it was still trying to get through a lot of the HIPAA and those type of things and trying to figure that whole piece out of it. Um, But now when you look at the changes, you know, when when I'm going through with uh, some of our organizations talking about, like, what CMS wants down the pipeline, you know, they're looking for things like telemedicine and being able to, you know, take advantage of your smartphone and being able to just FaceTime your physician instead of having to go into the doctor's office, Uh, being able for, you know, some of the folks that um, on the lower end, um, from from a economical standpoint, being able to call a Lyft or an Uber to go to their doctor's appointments. Um, and I think there's a lot of opportunity for people in quality to really help uh, in that piece of it just from, you know, a logistics standpoint, a workflow standpoint. Like, how is this all going to look like, you know, when you have, you know, how do you carve out the time for the physician to not only see the patients that they're seeing in office, but then how do you help them carve out the time to do these virtual visits? Um, How do you help them from there, you know, how do they get through all this documentation? Because that's going to be a huge thing, too, that CMS is going to be pushing here in the next, you know, couple years is really lessening the burden of the physician uh, in terms of documentation, which they truly need. I mean, they need something to help them, you know, just from a joy of work and that type of perspective to to help them with their workflow and, you know, they only have a limited amount of time to see patients and then go back and try to write notes and then, you know, remember all those things and put in these orders. And so I think it's, you know, from a quality perspective, there's a lot of opportunity for us to go help them to um, you know, I've always told, you know, I've always told a lot of these physicians that you know, your time with your patient is your time. Everything else is where I want to help you and everything else is where I want to say, hey, we can help you do this better. We can help you do that better. Um, and I think technology is going to be play a key role into it. And and I'm just excited to see what, you know, what they come up with and, and how it's going to look because, um, you know, we we are at that age where uh, you know, our phones and everything are just kind of like another piece of us, right? And so, you know, why why can't I just text my doctor and say, hey, you know, I've got like a sinus infection or it feels like a sinus infection. You know, do I need – what you know, what do I need to do for it or, uh, you know, do – you know, and so it's it's those things that you can kind of reach out and do. And I, and I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity there.
2: No, I agree 100%. Um, you know, as, as technology continues to change and people start – to adopt more of it into their day-to-day lives. I think it's going to be some really interesting opportunities um, to see what those quality people can do. But um, let me ask this follow-up question then in terms of the industry, healthcare industry itself. What does healthcare need to do to become a more attractive place uh, for ambitious, you know, talented, quality professionals to start and grow their careers?
0: You know, it's it's tough because it, it's hard to – I think it's kind of hard to attract – um, some of the younger, like talented people, unless they've, you know, gone to, you know, an MHA program or some sort of like uh, health administration or some something that kind of gets them into the healthcare industry. Uh, when you're looking at folks that maybe have like an MBA um, and you know are looking or or in a and diff- in, are in a different um, industry, I think one thing healthcare needs to do is kind of up um, and be totally honest i think they need to up like their salary requirements and things like that because you know looking at healthcare traditionally they underpay compared to other industries and if i'm a quality professional and i've got an mba and i've got um you know i've got some experience with uh lean six sigma or some of these other things and you know uh someone in healthcare is offering me 75 versus somebody in manufacturing is offering me 125 i might just say hey That 125 looks a lot better than that 75, right? Um, And I think that's what healthcare needs to do is just kind of, they really need to take a step back and say, you know, maybe we do need to, you know, and and that's the one thing that's hard about healthcare too is because with that, the cost of healthcare goes up, right? So you're trying to pay these professionals and getting this quality work in, but at the same time that cost of healthcare is going to go up. But then you look at other industries and I know like, I, IT especially, like I know there's a lot of hospitals that struggle with getting a lot of IT support because, you know, from an IT perspective, they just don't pay their IT folks enough, right? And these IT folks, you know, they can make, you know, double the triple the amount going somewhere else. Um, so I think that's what they need to do. Um, one is really, you know, from a salary perspective, I think two is really to have, to really have those positions that people can can get into. Um a lot of times you have, you know, quality positions, but they're not um, – they're focused in more on kind of like the metrics of of, of quality when you're looking at um, things like, you know, infectious – infection rates or um, looking at mortality rates. Like, you know, that piece of it from a quality perspective, um, I think some organizations now are starting to get more into, you know, developing these positions that are more um, – when you when you say quality, they're looking more into like that process redesign or that process improvement, that piece of it. Um, so it's really kind of making these positions and really having like uh, a department that can really help with that, because from a hospital perspective, they may have it. But then when you start getting into more of that ambulatory perspective, a lot of the ambulatory folks, they just don't have that quality structure set up Um so it's really, you know, they've really got to set that piece of it up first before they can attract those people to fill in these roles. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a challenge, but I, I think they'll, you know, eventually get there.
2: Well, and I would definitely say so. I'm, I'm sitting here listening and just really enthralled with everything because I think you touched on some really great points. Um, the first, uh, the point about paying for talent, essentially, right, Um yeah, you know okay. it, it's it's this interesting dynamic because if healthcare doesn't pay for the folks who are already, you know, for the most part trained up, ready to go, can you know pretty efficiently hit the ground running with the improvement work they're going to do, um, <clears throat> then it's it's hard to achieve the success really that that return on investment that you know quality professionals can provide. But then, you know, so what what the industry tend to, tends to do is to hire folks who aren't who were basically under trained to some degree and then failed to provide them with adequate training to get them up to that point. So it's this weird right. dynamic to your point there. Um and you know, again, I, I've built the the coaching part of my business around that, you know, filling that gap, um, to help train up folks and kind of coach them through when they get their quality training, um, to do projects and to to test it out a few times before you <clears throat> excuse me, uh, just let them fly by themselves. But um, I, I think that is an interesting dynamic you brought up there, and, um, and I don't even know where to go with it. It's just it's an a interesting realization. Um, your second point, too, with kind of the structure and the support that's in place, um, I, I've seen now as I've grown my small business more and continue to work as a quality professional, the further away from the hospital you get, the least and least amount of resources are there. I was uh, just talking to a gentleman today who's a CEO of a skilled nursing facility and, you know, they have a governance structure, but they have no resources for quality improvement. Mm -hmm. And so again, you know, that, that represents, uh, you know, with the small business part of my life, you know, the the opportunity to provide training and to, to work with them more, but, Um, You know, these are the groups who get many of the patients that the hospitals release, and then those patients end up coming right back to the hospitals for, you know, readmissions and things like that. So it's an interesting dynamic um, that, again, I I don't have answers for.
0: Yeah, and especially when, you you know, the example you brought up with nursing homes, like they are super limited in the resources that they have. And so how can they come in and, like – you know, bring in like a quality director or somebody like a, even just a process improvement, like somebody, they don't have the resources to pay for that person. Right. But they need it. So it's kind of like that double-edged sword. Like how can they actually, you know, they they need to work on quality and need to work on these metrics because yeah, it's those, they're the ones that are driving. A lot of times they are driving that readmission back into the hospital. They're, you know, they're driving some of those things. And it's like, if they're not supported in some way, you know, it's, never going to change so it's yeah it's really difficult and even when you look at some of these smaller like you look at some of these smaller physician offices too i mean they don't have the resources to do it so it's just it's kind of like oh well you know and some of these folks haven't even changed over to like electronic records so you know like like i take my pediatrician's uh, office for example they're still using like paper charts for the most part right um and so it's it yeah, so how are they going to go in and, like, bring in somebody to do some quality work? So that's that's the real difficult piece of it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm a little bit disappointed. I um, ha-
2: have been um, working to connect with a gentleman who works for CMS um, as, uh, as a quality process improvement lead there and wasn't able to get him. Um, but I really was looking forward to that conversation to, to see how CMS views some of the things we're touching on now, um, in terms of, you know, the, the spread of quality and quality professionals to support so many of the, uh, gaps within healthcare. But, um, nonetheless, I, am still going to keep pushing to, to find somebody in those decision-making organizations. But, um, anyway, like I said, these are just some of the very, very interesting, um, conundrums that I think exist across many areas of our healthcare industry. So um, I, I appreciate you just throwing it out there. I think you're spot on with your feedback.
0: And if you need a CMS connection, I've got one. So um, I've actually uh, worked with, yeah, through through what I've worked with on T. So TCPI is the Transforming Clinical Practice Initiative. Um, and through, through that work that um, I did with that, Marie, I got to know uh, a lot of CMS folks. And even just in the role that I'm working in uh, right now with Vizient, uh, we work with CMS hand-in-hand, hand. so there's a couple folks at CMS I can get you connected with. See, this, uh, that power of networking, right? You just never know when it's going to show
2: up. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, we, we shall talk offline, my friend. I appreciate that. That's right. We but, can uh, do that. Now, Samir, I, I just want to stop you and uh, just pause for a second and tell you you're doing a phenomenal job, but um, I'm going to move us into a part of the show that we call the Two-Minute Drill. Um, Very much our our rapid fire Q&A session. So wanted to give you a breather before we kick it off. But um, how do you feel? You ready to go? Ready to go. All right. All right. Perfect. Well, uh, Samir, first question. Could you please tell our quality people something about your current role that inspires you to do your best day in and day out as a
0: quality professional? Yeah, I think so. My role now, so uh, I work with Vizient, who um, they work with a lot of academic medical centers. Uh, My role is a quality improvement advisor. Um, In this role, I get to work with multiple organizations and help them with, um, you know, working more on the ambulatory side. So helping them through this TCPI um, project, which is really helping folks go from fee for service to alternative payment methods. But with that, CMS really requires you to hit certain targets and milestones is what they call them. So it's anywhere from you know looking at your metrics, looking at access, how are you doing from a uh patient uh satisfaction perspective. Um so one of the things that I get to work with these different organizations is really, you know, working with them on these different uh, these different topics and these different milestones. Um, and it's really, you know, it you know you think that you know, every organization thinks that, oh, man, you know, this is just happening to me, I'm sure you know. But no, every, like I've noticed, every organization has the same problems. They have the same things that they're working towards. Um, and it's, you know, really interesting. And it's and for me, it's helping them um, kind of take, you know, best practices from different organizations and being able to spread that across to the other ones um, because it's all about learning and it's all about, um, you know, bringing in new ideas and things like that. And I think that really helps uh, the organizations I work with is just having, like, fresh perspective and and looking at things a different way. Um, And I think that's what really, you know, drives me in the work that I do day to day.
2: All right, wonderful. And uh, what is the best piece of career advice that you've ever received?
0: It was probably in order to take a step forward, you need to take a step back. Um, So this was kind of during that whole piece of, you know, after being laid off and and all those type of things. And, you know, you think you're on this path of like, I'm going to go from, you know, the director to the VP to this, to this, to that. But sometimes you just have to take that step back and just say, all right, where am I right now? You know, what do I need to do? How can I get to where I want to go? Sometimes that path that you chose isn't the right one. So sometimes you do need to take that step back reassess and then go on that different path and just see where that leads you. So um I think that was probably the best piece of advice I've ever received. And the other one is uh don't chase those titles, don't chase things because you know a lot of times it's it, it doesn't help you in the long run. Um be happy in what you're doing. Not what you know, not happy with the title, but be happy with what you're with the work that you're doing. Who cares about what your title is, right? Um as long as you're happy in what you're doing and, and you feel like you're doing Uh, work that's really, um, I think, meaningful and provides value, then, you know, do what you're doing.
2: Well, I I love that. And I'm probably hearing that piece of advice about five years too late. But um, I I can honestly (laughs) share some air doing things like starting a podcast where I get to talk to uh, amazing leaders like yourself and many of the others that have been on the show. I can definitely say now I'm in this process of chasing value and the impact that I can have on others and my organization and just my life much more than in the past when I was trying to grow as an administrative leader. This has been one of the funnest projects, so I appreciate hearing that um, because I think it kind of validates things that I personally feel, so I hope that that resonates with a lot of folks that plug into this show. Um, yeah, Next question i have for you is uh could you please share oh excuse me i skipped one um do you have a mentor that has had an impact on your career
0: I do um his name's Joe Hershey he's um currently i think he's now president over at uh Providence Health which is in Michigan um and so i worked with him when i was a uh administrative fellow um and so we've kept that relationship uh, you know i haven't talked to him as much as i should um just because i know you know with the way our lives go and things get kind of busy. But um, he's one guy that, you know, anytime I've had um, any thought of like a career change or any type of move, like even um, for me, the big thing was uh, moving from Chicago down to Atlanta. uh, You know, he was one of the first people I talked to to say, Hey, you know, what do you think about this? You think, you know, is it the right thing for me? And he was just like, you know what? He's like, you have to take a look at and see, is it the best step for you and your family? He's like, He's like he was like if it feels up to me. I'd bring you up to Michigan, but I know you want to get away from the cold. So it's probably you know it's probably good for you to kind of you know make that move down south and and, and do that. So uh, yeah, he's been he's just been a a great guy and a great person to uh, to talk to over the years.
2: All right, wonderful. And uh, let me ask this: um, with uh, with having a mentor, a person that has just you know been a, a second um, you know opinion, a professional opinion, a personal opinion for you. Um, do you have any recommendations for any of our listeners that are probably wondering like how do I find that person or how do I ask some you know someone to be a mentor or a personal advisor or whatever the case may be um do you have any thoughts about that like how do you how do you really engage a person to you know allow them to listen to your thoughts and just these personal things that that can be you know kind of kind of just vulnerable you know have that moment
0: yeah, I think it's um it, it's tricky, right? Because it's some you don't want to like for for a mentor, sometimes you don't want to pick that person that you directly report to. Um sometimes you might want to pick somebody that uh, you know, is in the same type of industry. I know there's organizations that help you with that mentorship process. Um, I know Vizient, for example, where I am now, um, they have a mentorship program. So they're able to say, you know, if you are looking for a mentor, they'll help you, uh, they'll help match you with somebody. Um, I think some organizations do that. Others, I I think, otherwise, I think it's more take a look at your network. You know, it may not be like an official mentor, but it could be just somebody that you're really, just bounce ideas off of or talk to that, you know, may not, uh, you know, I think it's good to have somebody that's not, you know, in your same region or something like that. So that way you get like a totally different perspective than what you're, where you are right now. Um, And it just could be somebody that you worked with in, you know, your prior, uh, in a prior position, or it could be somebody that you, uh, you know, maybe one of your professors that you had in college that you still, you know, for, for, I would say for like a, early careers, maybe it was one of your professors that you had. Um, I know one of one person that um, I sometimes reach out to every now and then was uh, uh, was a fellow that I worked with uh, when I was an intern um, during my MHA program. Um, but he's kind of moved around so many places. It's just so hard to catch you know, keep in touch with them. Um, but I think that's the trickiest part is like kind of identifying that person and then, you know, keeping that, relationship ongoing. Um, But it's really kind of just, you know, sometimes you just kind of just say, hey, you know, just reach out to somebody that you kind of built a certain level of uh, rapport with and just kind of say, hey, you know, do you mind, you know, being a mentor or do you mind like, you know, just being able to, you know, if I, you know, have any questions or just kind of feel like talking about something, would you be open to doing that? And I think a lot of times like there, you know, there's so many people that are very open to, to doing that. Uh, and you'd be really surprised that, um, you know, people do appreciate it and people do really want to um, help other people and, and, and be a mentor. And um, You know, at some point, you know, I, I would think in early careers if they wanted to reach out to me and, you know, use me as a mentor, Hey, yeah, perfect. You know, I don't mind, you know, talking about these experiences I've had. I don't mind, you know, sharing like um, all these things. Cause I think, you know, once you reach a certain, You know point in your career um you kind of do want to you know help other people and say you know don't you know make this mistake i did or don't you know go this way you know you have an opportunity to um to do something good so yeah it's just going through your network going through that you know doing that and just yeah (laughs) it's tough but i think you can get there
2: wonderful no I, i love uh I love that extra point of information. Appreciate you letting me throw another curveball at you. But uh, next question I have for you then is: uh, Could you please share um, a personal habit that contributes to your success when leading quality initiatives?
0: I think it's really um, you know organization is key. You got to have you know whenever I'm going through and leading a project, I got to make sure I've got you know all of my uh, you know all my ducks in a row. Got to have all my materials. Make sure that I'm set up myself first so that I can lead others. And it's really, you know, making sure I've got like a a project plan, making sure I've got, you know, the data and the resources that I need. Um, And then it's really, you know, still focusing around that common purpose or that common goal. Um, And that's the biggest thing is just like always going back no matter what, like, you know, and, and it's going back to that standard over feeling. So it's, you know, when a meeting's getting out of hand or like people are going other ways, you know, you kind of just kind of take a pause and say, hey, let's get back to our common purpose. Let's get back to our common goal. And I think that kind of really helps, um, me from just a success perspective is that, you know, once everybody's kind of focused back in on that, then, uh, you know, all these other things kind of go away. Um, so I think that really helps. It's just really being prepared. And, and I, a lot of times, um, you know, LinkedIn is great. Because um, a lot of times when I'm going into new organizations, I kind of do some background and kind of look people up on LinkedIn, uh, try to see you know, some of their background, you know, if there's anything that I can uh, pull from there that may help me uh, during these meetings. So um, I've I've learned to do that as well.
2: Oh well, that's a perfect uh lead into the next question, which is actually if you could share. Um, a num- uh, your number one internet resource that helps you be most productive, or it could be an app as well, but uh, you definitely uh, just gave LinkedIn a shout-out. Any other great websites or resources out there that you plug into that, to help you get through the work that you do?
0: I would say without Google, I don't think I could do a lot of work <laughs> because there, I don't know how many times I've, like, if there's something I've drawn a blank on, if there's something I need to see, like, Google is, like, the best thing that I've, you know, run into. Like, you can just Find what you need. If there's like a resource that you need from, like, you know, if I'm looking up, you know, uh, if I need to find an article, you know, I can just go on Google. You know, find an article. Um, that's probably been the most helpful and most uh, useful tool that I've that I use, and I use I use it on a day-to-day basis. Oh, that's wonderful.
2: Um, you'd be surprised, man. That is probably, I'm, I'm sure without a doubt, the number one answer that I've gotten with other folks that I've interviewed so far. So you're you're right there on par with the best. <laughs> See. Uh next question I have for you, Samir. I'd love to to learn this. Um, could you please share with our quality people a professional association and a professional conference that you think will be a value add?
0: So for me early on, uh when I first started my career, ACHE, uh the American College of Healthcare Executives, I thought that was a pretty good um professional association, especially for early careers, because they do offer a lot of um opportunities for not only networking, um, but they also have, like, job listings. Um, they have uh, areas for you to to kind of – they have a whole uh, – they usually have a Congress uh, meeting in uh, Chicago, and that's a great place to get um, a lot of insight on, you know, what's coming up in healthcare. You're able to get that networking in. A lot of times it's, um, you know, getting in touch with alumni, um, and I thought that was really good for me uh, probably in the first – You know, five or, you know, five to seven years when I first started, that was probably a good organization. Um, Right now, I would say in the work I do now would be um, MGMA, which is the Medical Group Management Association. And that's only because I do a lot of work with uh, ambulatory folks now. Um, So I think that's a good uh, association. Um, From a conference perspective, uh, I would say um, like IHI, they usually put on some great conferences, Um, And that's the Institute for Healthcare Improvement. Uh, NCQA, which is the National Council for, I think it's like healthcare quality. um, They're going to have a conference in D.C. pretty soon. Um, That's, you know, the topics on there are are fantastic. Um, So there's a lot of good ones. Um, And it also depends on who else you work with from a day-to-day basis. I know uh, in one of my previous roles, uh, I worked with uh, Cerner, which is the, the EMR, and they had their uh, professional conference each year, um, their Cerner, um, it was like the Cerner Health something, um, big conference, but it was a great way to see the latest technology, good way to see, like, what Cerner's coming out with pipeline. Um, I presented a couple of times at that conference. Um, so I think there there's a lot of good value-add conferences out there it's it's just going out there and looking for them too like there's a lot of things that you wouldn't know uh are out there but there um unless you look there's a lot of good regional too like um you know being here in atlanta there's always something going on and i'm sure like uh you know different pockets of the country same thing there's always some sort of regional conference or something that you can go to especially from the quality side of it there's always somebody um, is doing something in that arena so there's a lot out there
2: yeah i mean to talk about regional conferences um, for the last two years now i've been plugging in with one that uh, the medical university of charleston south carolina does uh, musc they do it every fall somewhere between september and october and it's actually really really good it's like a maybe one to two days long conference, but um, I mean, just to your point, the regional conferences, I I find they're smaller, but they're much more focused, and the networking um, to plug in with those professionals is just, I mean, it's just so spot on, and just, you know, again, Mm -hmm. personal, I think is probably the key word there. Um, So uh, thank you, I I think those are all perfect, um, you know, really solid recommendations. Next question is, uh, do you have a book recommendation For our listeners and could you also share that book uh why would it be a great read for our listeners to plug
0: into yeah from a book perspective uh, perspective it's been kind of hard the last few years to really uh i've got young kids and the only books we really ever go through are like dr seuss and some of these other ones but um i'll say one book that i that i used early on in my career and i still kind of refer to it now uh, it's a book called Crucial Conversations, uh, and it's written by uh, Carrie Patterson as the author. And it's really, um, that book is really a good one in terms of um, especially the work that you do when working with, um, you know, different groups or and, and even just different people, especially when you're talking to, you know, for, for me, talking to physicians and talking to other nurses and, and folks that, you know, I don't. Like my healthcare background, I was a ray and CT tech, so I know some healthcare, but I don't know healthcare like a nurse does. I don't know healthcare like a doctor does. Um, so there are going to be times where when you're going through some of these uh, process improvements or you're trying to go through some of these workflow changes that there are going to be things that the physician will say, hey, this is the way I've always done it and this is the way I'm going to do it, Right. So now you kind of bring back this whole piece of crucial conversations where you have to have those tough conversations to say, well, even though that's the way you've always done it, it may not be the right way. So let's go back to our, you know, going back to our common purpose, going back to our common goal, looking at our standards over the feelings. And so this is where this book really helps you kind of. Um, really, kind of frame those conversations and, and, and guides you in that way. So, I think it's a very valuable book. And they they also have um, classes on it too. So, uh, depending on you know your organization or somewhere, they they usually have like a a couple day workshop that they go through these uh, crucial conversations with you too.
2: That book, I think, is one of those just management classics. So, uh, yeah. great recommendation. But to you know, I, I have young kids too—a one-year-old and a five-year-old. You'd be surprised. Doctor Seuss is actually really, really deep. Um, it, a lot it, of, you know, it is. <laughs> yeah, I was, places, I was really surprised. Uh,
0: you know, I do not like green eggs and ham. You know, but he changes his mind, so it's like, yeah, there's there's a lot of like, you know, there's a lot of lessons that you'll learn from a lot of these children's books. I I, I have seen that. <laughs>
2: Absolutely. That's awesome. Um, Last question I have for you, Samir, and just a heads up, this one is a personal favorite because I'm going to try to get you to simultaneously reflect on your past while having you look forward to your future. So let's say that you're able to send one text message to yourself 10 years into the past and one text message to yourself 10 years into the future. We'd love for you to take a second and think about it, but what would you communicate to yourself in each one of those messages?
0: So ten years ago, it would be two thousand nine. So, if you know, besides sending myself the lotto numbers for the big, you know, five hundred million dollar draw, you know, the, the other text message I would probably say is, um, things are going to get better. Like at that point was the time where you know I was still, you know, it was in that when I let kind of like that um, phase where I was kind of where I was laid off, still looking for jobs and and getting in there and and you know when I think that text message for myself to say, "Don't worry, things are going to be okay. You're going to be all right." I think that's what I would have sent myself ten years ten years ago. Just just kind of that affirmation to say, "You're going to be okay. You're going to do fine. Don't stress yourself. Don't worry. You you will be good." Um, ten years into the future is more kind of a a reflection to say, you know, I hope you did the things that you wanted to do. I hope you were able to enjoy the moments that you have right now. Cause you know, like having young children, it's like, you know, we're so busy with our work and everything else, but at the same time you want to take that step back and and enjoy the moments that you have right now. Um, you know, don't let work be the only thing that you do, um, and, you know, enjoy the time that you have with your family, because you never know, you know, especially in this day and age, you really don't know what's going to happen. Um, so it's really, you know, telling myself that in the future to say, Hey, I hope you slowed down a little bit. I hope you're able to, you know, enjoy these moments and, and really, you know, focused in on, and, and really focus in on that. Oh, that's
2: wonderful. Um, I love it. And Samir, my friend, I, uh, I want to end today with first just thanking you again for um, for coming on the show, um, sharing so much wonderful knowledge and thoughts and just words of wisdom across the board. Um, before I let you go, I would love for you to share with our quality people a parting piece of advice and perhaps the best way that folks can follow you or connect with you on social media, and then we'll officially sign off.
0: Yeah, so um social media you can always get me on LinkedIn so it's just uh Sameer Rishi and I think my uh LinkedIn thing is um Rishi SN it might be R I S H I S N but LinkedIn is always the great, best way to kind of if you want to get connected and things like that and I'd say um you know piece of advice is just feel free to reach out you know um you know if you want to connect and you know have like a you know a call or something like that I'm I'm more than happy to you know, talk to people about things that, you know, I've done in my career and what I'm doing now. And, um, if there's people that, you know, I can help you get connected to just, uh, feel free to do it because, you know, that's the only way, you know, um, you know, I was telling you like earlier is that healthcare is big, but it's also small. Like you never know how many people that you're still going to run into, um, throughout your career that you might've, uh, worked with uh, in the in the past so uh, you know you'll probably you might see them at a conference you may see them you know at a different organ at a different organization so um, always keep that open and always keep those uh, lines of communication open
2: all right perfect well gang, there you have it um, Samir I want to thank you again and before we officially um, sign off just want to say to all of our quality people everywhere thank you for listening and making us a part of your day take care everyone.
0: Thank you for listening to the Healthcare Quality Cast, brought to you by the Quality Coaching Company. If you love the Healthcare Quality Cast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review. Until next time.